Gurk's in here just firing up the the chat all by his lonesome. Come in here and show some support to your fellow representing hard man, representing your fellow hard. Twitchers. Or yeah, Twitchies, come in here and show some support to Gurk by helping him burn us down. Exactly, <laughs> that's what we. He needs. He needs assistance. This, this is not a call to action from us that we need you. Gurk needs you, right? Yeah, actually, that's what um, we need. Gurk, we're, we're going to need like a, a good, uh, like a good video or audio bite from Gurk. Where it's just like, help me roast these morons. Some, some, like he needs to actually have a, ca- a battle cry or call to action to everybody else. Un- Come unkinking. and listen, so you can help me. Yeah, unkinking asks, would you prefer if we call you stupid? I mean, you know, oh, I mean, if the shoe fits, if you're, you know, whatever. If, if the shoe fits, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet. RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the host joining me this evening are uh, the Dwarven DM himself, John Christian, Master Troy Sandlin, and uh, our illustrious guest, uh, Joe Rasso. Howdy. Hi, how you doing? (laughs) Uh, Joe, you are... We need to have uh, standard greetings at the beginning, please. Yeah, I'm sorry. I I failed on the the standard. No, 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 it wasn't you. We have to. <laughs> we have to have a standard greeting now. I think we are. I think we're gonna have. <laughs> okay. be the only okay. thing standard. Okay. Here, um, here we go. Here we go. Lolly ho. Uh, you cannot steal my shtick, sir, that, or that make was, fun of my yeah. shtick. Too late. <laughs> Fine. Oh my gosh. Dunstall. Uh, Joe, you have been a uh, a listener staple on the stream. Um. And, uh, but, 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 but we haven't had you on before. Um, and I think that's to our detriment. <laughs> or no one's his. listened yet. You may, you may, uh, have a slightly different opinion after the show. Uh, I think, I think that there will, there might be a strong call to replace a certain one of us with John <laughs> after this episode. Vote, 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 vote. Oh, yes. Man. So, dear listeners, if you if you feel as strongly as I do about the person that Joe should replace, uh, <laughs> we would love to hear that feedback either during this recording or afterwards on uh, on Facebook. Or I'm 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 not curious myself. I think what we should do is a uh, a a Ron Burgundy style free for all. No, <laughs> oh, no touching of the hair face. No touching yeah. of the hair face. <laughs> yes, out on the origins lawn. Yep, yep. Yeah, good yeah. call. Actually, I'm I'm the odd man out. I don't have the hair face. I just uh, have a little teeny. Nobody's stubble. perfect. It's okay. Yeah, but I think I think uh, you got the lustrous locks. Yes. that yeah. none of us no longer uh, yeah. can lay claim to. So yeah. it's fine. <laughs> well, all right. So we'll get to uh, Joe. Your your new stuff here in a minute, um, but we're excited to have you on, and uh, well, hopefully this is one of many uh, uh, appearances to come. So let's see. So we're doing some news today, but we're not doing Kickstarter. That's the that's the new fancy thing, and because of that, our news section is really short and sweet. I know Gurk will appreciate this. I have nothing for you to buy today. <laughs> this time. <clears throat> This time, this time. In fact, I think all of them are price related, but not 
anyhow, some not all of them. Maybe some of them will actually save you some money um, in mm-hmm. one way or another. Uh, so let's see. We'll just go down these in order again. Uh, first order of business, just a quick note. Hasbro has announced that there will be a price increase coming down the road for D&D stuff. Um, I guess what I would say by that is, I guess, buy while you can. But on the flip side, like, they haven't talked about how much that's going to be. They just said increase to offset shipping and that it wasn't going to be substantial. Um, so if you're buying online, it probably means that you're not anywhere close to the MSRP even now, mm-hmm. even once they raise it. But if well, you're question, buying from your... Yeah. Did they... Have they really done much to pricing since they released in 2014? It's always been Only, $49.99 retail, right? Except much. for Sword Ford, Coast Adventures, kind yeah. of think was cheaper. Yeah. If you, if you take into account online retailers dragging the price down since 2014 mm-hmm. um i think we're about half the price almost half the price of retail at this point online mm-hmm. um, yeah all of my books my physical copies of books that i've got i've purchased through a, a game store except for these right here that i'm pointing at i've got a stack of four players handbooks that i purchased off of amazon for Eighteen dollars a piece. Wow. Uh, earlier last year, um, I, I used Camel, Camel, Camel to track the pricing on certain things, and saw that uh, it dipped down that far. So I've got these for birthday presents and giving them out to pl- new players and stuff like that. Whenever right. I'm at uh, in-person shows. So. But it's well, the the point is the the online retail has just beaten the crap out of the retail prices and so it's like they're uh they're cutting every single possible corner so i'm not surprised that they're going to bring up the price at least a little bit the main reason why they're doing it obviously is because everybody in retail is struggling with the the current shipping cost Mm -hmm. issue across the board so freight costs have been hitting the industry really hard of late so i'm not super surprised i'll be interested to see how much they raise it by and if they lower that after the fact. Doubtful. Oh, no. <clears throat> Doubtful. When, Nothing when ever goes down. Ever goes happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I'm mainly concerned about is that, like, so you can get the player's handbook all day long for probably, like, 22 bucks on Amazon or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they increase that by 3 or $4, nobody's really going to bat an eye. But if the price in your game store increases to $55, so higher than the back cover price. Yep. I feel like that could start to be a problem. They'll have to post a sign, you know, on the D&D books that basically draw attention to that. And I feel like that's going to hurt game store sales all the more if they have to pass on that increase. I have heard from some retailers that the the best strategy is to go ahead and buy your D&D books on Amazon. Hmm. And with the money that you save from that purchase... Go to the game store, buy dice, buy mm. minis, buy paints, <clears throat> you know, stuff like that. Their margins better. That their margins no, are so. their margins are better on those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that you know, if you do it that way, on on the front end, you're going to save yourself money, some money on your books, and on the back end, you're going to have a little bit extra money to go spend at the game store, 
and it's more of a it's more of a win win than if you're going to drop all that cash on a book from the game store and then you've only bought one item. Hmm. So yeah, makes sense. Um, I guess the only other note from that news was that they expect those price increases to start in the third quarter of this year and to be fully realized by the fourth quarter. So, mm-hmm. uh, that's that. Moving on to the second news section. Now, this one I think is really exciting, actually. So, this we went from a little bit morose to 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 something that I have been hoping for. And I think people have been asking for for a long time. Uh, if you were turning tuning into the Dungeon Masters Guild newsletter, Lisa put out a post today. And the big piece of that post was that they are increasing the number of print-on-demand hardcover offerings made available through the site. Which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Joe, I, and this kind of, this somewhat pertains to you. I know you've, you've have things that you've put through that process um, once upon a time for the guild. But then it it's become almost, at least it seems like from an outsider's perspective, that like nothing was getting through for a while. Yeah, they. Uh, I was lucky about, a, I guess, two years ago, they opened it up and did a, a test to see how the print-on-demand would work. And my Great Dale uh, effort got uh, accepted for their program. Uh, but I, th- I suspect uh, the the labor costs on their end were, were a bit more than... They, this is just me guessing, um, but but uh, they they really curtailed the the program. I think less than a year later, uh, I know I've I submitted a bunch of things to 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 go into print on demand, and uh, it just it just hasn't happened. Hmm. Yeah, I'm looking. I don't remember when did when did uh, James drop the his dad's monster manual thing. That was like a year ago, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Was it was it, about, it, a full it was year? about this time in the summer, wasn't it? Was it? I thought it was. I think so. Towards the end of the summer. Yeah. Well, here I can I can give us a real answer. Um, November eleventh. Uh, no, that nope. December fifteenth of twenty twenty. Okay, really? I was gonna say, cause God, I, thought I thought it was, it was more like closer to six months. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So since that product, there have been four books, including the one that was released today as part of their test run. There have been four books added to D and D in print. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Exploring Eberron, the new Baba Yaga book, a really weird glitter grimoire book. I don't know how that one got through. I'm going to be honest. I'm hoping that was just a test run because it came out of nowhere and, um, I don't know f- for sure why. Um, and then there was the, uh, Zakara campaign guide. Mm. Um, which had a lot of momentum, I think, going in for it. So that's great. Um, so anyhow, I'm I'm excited because there's a collection of books on the guild right now that I would love to have in print. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. it's always disappointing when I fall in love with a book. Uh, the have, what is that one that I always talk about? The one with where you do all the skill tests and. Uh, to harvest things off the critters. 
Oh, uh, like Hammond's Harvest? Guide, har- yeah, guide Hammond's Harvest. Harvesting book. Thank you, Troy. That book is a great book, and it's been on the top sellers forever, and it hasn't ever gotten approved for print. Yeah. I would buy that book in a heartbeat and its sequels, so hopefully we get to see some of that now. Yeah, I, I know with uh, the Forgotten Realms forum where I uh, give periodic updates on, hey, I'm, I'm doing this this mm. book, uh, almost always somebody says, is this going to be in print? Is this uh, available? And <laughs> I say, well, I, there's not much I can do. Mm. So this will be uh, pretty exciting uh, for from my end anyways, Heck assuming yeah. I can sneak in a couple more items. Yeah. The other thing that I liked about it now, I'm going to assume that this is actually deceitfully high, but this hardcover book from uh, Dave Colson, this Dancing Hut of Baba Yaga that they're mm. launching with this announcement today, is 40 bucks for the hardcover. Um, it's 122 pages, so it's on the smaller end, but I honestly was surprised it wasn't 55 60 Um with the price increase we saw this summer on drive the RPG. So the fact that it was below $50, I felt like is a good sign one way or another for people buying into this sort of thing. I don't know that there's anything else that was, uh, necessarily worth noting on that, uh, newsletter, but, but I felt like that was, that's really exciting. I think. Yeah. So, uh, no, no true knowledge of when the guidelines and everything will fully roll out, but they say soon. Um, so. Standard, standard trademark. Soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, so let's kind of continue on this bandwagon. John, you have something to chat about. Yep. So, quick note for those out there, DMs that are using Roll Twenty as their VTT. Roll20 is dropping prices on their digital bookshelf. Uh, Ghost of the Salt Marsh, Acquisitions Incorporated, Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, uh, Descent to Avernus, Tyranny of Dragons, Dungeon of the Mad Mage, uh, Eberron Rising from the, Sh- the Last War, and Waterdeep Dragon Heist are all... Uh, this is not a sale. This is a... It looks like it is a permanent lowering of the cost by $10 for wow. each of those. And then the short adventure bundle has an additional discount on it too. So uh, what would normally be around $90 for the three, which is Yawning Portal, um, Ghost of the Salt Marsh, and I cannot remember what the other one is that's, that's looped into that, but it would normally would be like $80 to $90. It's $72 now. So if you're a late bloomer, you're coming in and uh, you want to run a game, then this is a prime opportunity to get some of those old adventures you know, they're obviously going to kind of cling tight to the, the core books and to some of the player option books, but a lot of really good adventure books that are, are, are in here. So just that's a, I thought it was interesting to see those that digital content price drop I like that in Roll20. It's uh, on that third one, John. It's Tactical Maps and the Adventure Atlas. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, okay. It's not. So my so question. It's not an adventure. Gotcha. It's not an adventure, but it's just more assets. My question for you is, why do we think they're doing this? Because we just talked about things don't go down on their own usually. Mm-hmm. Um, things increase. They typically don't decrease. Uh, why this time? I don't want to. I don't want to say it. <laughs> I don't want to say it. Uh, it's like a fire sale. 
kind of thing is whenever they when everything goes on sale like that, that's the that's the thing I immediately think of. I don't want it to be that, and it's probably just paranoia talking. But man, but how much uh, might it be uh, competition or perceived future competition from mm-hmm. Watsi's uh, effort? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good point too, yep. right? If, the, if, the, if there's a tabletop coming out, they're trying to scoop up as much revenue as they can from it before the market tanks on them, where everybody's jumping ship and going over to the to the new yeah. thing, the new hotness. Their license might also be expiring if Watsi's bringing everything home to roost. You know, um, I hope that's not the case. But if if they've got a ticking clock and they're trying to get as many sales in as possible before they get the official content pulled. Now's the time. It's a much sunnier outlook than what I was. I'm fearful of that. It's like six uh, E's coming. Let's let's, uh, let's drop the hammer. Sell everything that we can. I I still don't see it. I still don't see it. But I I don't know. I'm always I'd like after third edition having two editions and then fourth edition bombing and fifth edition coming in right after it. It's just like there's just the fifth edition done so well. And all they could do is screw it up at this point. But they've uh, they've surprised me before. <laughs> so well, let's change it. You know, it's I'll, awesome, but let's change it. Well, that that kind of goes. You know, a lot of people are like, "Well, look at you know the you know first edition lasted. What was it? How many years was that? Eleven. Yeah. And Sounds then right. pr- pretty much the same for second edition. Mm-hmm. You know, and then third. You know, lasted. Only this long until they did three five, and three five lasted this long, and, and fourth edition only lasted what like four years. Yeah. And every everybody's trying to use that as some kind of a see how how the the timeline goes. We're we're almost due for another edition. <laughs> they don't make new editions of this game based on its age. Mm-hmm. They they make a new edition of the game. Based on the death spiral of book sales, do yeah. they, or do they say, "Oh, people want more of this. Let's capitalize on the thing," and we've got these focus groups with people that have never played, you know, that are in in a, all in a room together and behind they're behind a mirror and we're looking at them and uh, they're saying like, I just I go back to that uh, the community episode where they're uh, they're talking about trying to create the Americanized version of Doctor Who. And it's just, you know, two boobs in there that have no idea what they're talking about, completely (laughs) wreck it whenever they talk to a bunch of executives. Like, oh, yeah, that's we should totally do that. And then it ends up bombing out whenever whenever it's published. Well, so I think I would be shocked if Roll20 was the... uh, there's probably a better word, but the whistleblower for us on 6th edition Mm. with this, right? (laughs) Like, Well, that's the the comforting thought, right? It's like, there's no way. They would be the last ones to know, along with everybody else, right, about when, if and or when it was coming. So you're probably right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think That's the the, snake bit fear (laughs) from me, not necessarily a legitimate. I think you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. It does look like we have lost Troy momentarily, so... Oh, I'm, I'm uh, here. You're just here, just not... He looks pained, here. that's all. I, I, that's... I'm, I'm pained at John's insistence that 6E is coming. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say... I'm, I'm not insisting it. It's fear yeah. talking. It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. I gotta I mean, think that for the 
Watsy, they're they're going to think long and hard before they they pull that kind of trigger. Just mm. with the way their numbers have been for the last five years, I mean, come right. on, why really shake the ship when you're getting thirty, forty percent growth every single year? Yeah, that, yeah and that's know. that's yeah. that's what I'm saying because, like, you well, know, <clears throat> back in the day, by this time, sales, you know, are starting to tank and starting mm-hmm. to drop off, and so now it's like, oh my gosh, we have to release a new setting or we have to. I think and so powers, I, the like fears that. are still founded in that now that they're, there's more visibility with Watsy and with the D&D brand, there are more cooks in the kitchen from, from an executive level. They're their own division and they've got other eyes on them and there are more people that are able to like, well, what about this and what about this? And not even community driven necessarily, right? I'm just talking about like the corporate, you know, the... Uh, you know, like everybody's got an opinion on something. What is the the, uh, the animal built by by committee? The camel mm. mm-hmm. kind of thing, where they come in and say, "Oh, you know what? It's missing. It's missing more jet well, skis. We need more jet skis well, in D and D." But you know what? I've, I've heard you know the, that the uh, the eighteen to twenty five demographic really loves jet skis. We need to put more jet skis in there. And they did that, or they're well, doing that because they've got you know they're developing. G.I. Joe, Transformers, and, and whatever else. Yeah. And you know that's getting, you know, giving a kickback to Watsi. So they're releasing, they're, they're doing all the stuff that you're saying that you're worried about. And I think yeah. they're going to start doing that more as a f- official products. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, if, if, you know, here's D&D and it's doing this, and it's doing so awesome, we're releasing Magic the Gathering settings and, you know, a, a, a large part of the of the community is is buying that, and then we then you've got people who are like, nope, it's Magic the Gathering. I want nothing to do with it. I will They're- say though, um, we talked about this a little bit, and this isn't really our topic at all, so we're we're sidetracking here, I guess. Um, but that's fine. Um, Short news course. segment, everybody. Short news. Lies. Lies. I apologize, Troy. I'm going to have to turn on some air. We um, sit on a throne of lies. I was at a event this weekend uh, that had nothing to do with the indie. Uh, it was a, a a social gathering. I'll be cautious here because I don't want to. Anyhow, it's not not that mm-hmm. big a deal. But uh, you were around some norms. I was around some norms. We'll say it that way. And they were talking about D and D. And of course, my ears perked up, and. Mm-hmm. S- I ended up questioning what they were interested in and how they kind of got to that and did some fact-finding. It was very interesting. They got to D&D via Adventure Zone comics. And when they actually hit D&D, they bounced off of it. Too complex, too much focus on combat. And they, when they bounced off of it, they went to... Monster of the Week, Kids on Bikes, um, things of that nature. Um, they still called it D&D. Everything's D&D. Oh, we play D&D. Mm-hmm. Oh, we like D&D. But, like, but they like, didn't uh, like, like, like tissues are all Kleenex. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. right. But, but, but that was fascinating to me because it, it, I wonder how much of that is happening. Right, and if mm. Watsi's seeing that and seeing 
the newcomers don't want as much combat and they don't want even the complexity level of 5e, I wonder if there's an argument uh, for a 5e light. And if there's an argument for a 5e light, I would argue that the reason that we haven't seen a trans... Like, come on now. How long ago was it that we got Transformers and whatever else announced for... G.I. Joe announced for 5e? Mm -hmm. They could crank that shit out in six months if they wanted to. Oh, well, sure. it's supposed to, it's, it was supposed to debut, uh, what, a couple weeks ago? During yeah. D&D Live, it was supposed to debut. But D&D yeah. Live happened, so they pushed it back. Yeah, but that's what I'm getting at, right? It's like, they could have cranked that out a long time ago. I'm almost wondering if the reason that that's taking so long in development is if it's tied to, let's find a way to make this more accessible. And, uh, uh, and, and... You know, if somebody picks up a G.I. Joe starter box, we don't want them to bounce off of it and go buy something else that that scratches the itch. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't uh -huh. know. It's all fool's game. <clears throat> well, Girk had a, a good uh, comment in there that there's a lot more third party people in the whole uh, D and D network as well, and so I I always wonder how much of that uh, extraneous uh, market Watsy gets a little sliver of, and so if if they do have some portion of it, then disrupting the the larger uh, market might not be a a good thing for and, a big business. And don't you think they may have learned a little bit of a lesson from Paizo? Because right now, as it stands, if they decide to do a 6th edition, and it's a departure from 5e, you have all these third-party creators out here that have a solid handle on what's going on with the rule set. And they are going to go great guns, and you're, you're going to be in another situation where you've got Pathfinder steamrolling 4th edition. Hmm. Yeah. I, I see that, but imagine a world where we have starter sets, starter bundles, starter boxes that just have an even more rules light version than we already get in the. And that's box. cool. It yeah. I, yeah. Not a new addition, just a. Yeah. I can just see a. That. Like hey, a, like we don't have leveling, there. and we have a character sheet that gets rid mm -hmm. of all the skills that you're not proficient in, just aren't even on your sheet, or well, maybe you get rid of skills if, altogether. I don't know. If they if they came out with a like you know. Whatever, Elminster's Guide to Roleplay, 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 right? Or something like that that came out, and it is a primer on, like, uh, here are the, the stripped-down rules for D&D, &D, and here's how to focus more on exploration and, and uh, an RP, and here's how to kind of, like, hand-wave the combat elements. And you did that, and you just published that. At the very least, it's a big experiment that they're, they are able to publish see how it does, if people like it, and then they start thinking about a 6th edition that's focusing on that. If that's what the market demands, that's just the way that it's going to end up being. It's a, I mean, I, it, there's no... We can complain about it all day long and be fearful of it all day long, but that's, you know... If people are going... They're only going to make what people want to buy. Yep. You know, so maybe, that, exactly. that's, maybe that's it. Maybe that's the, the way that the worm will turn. Hmm. Well, speaking of things that people want to buy... Segway. Uh, we, we brought Joe in here... <laughs> Uh, for at least two purposes, uh, and and one of those being that you've got a a project that is 
stepping ever closer to launch date. Yeah, that's the right way to say it. Stepping ever closer. I'm, I'm at the. I'm at the. I'm 90% done. So the last 10% takes 90% more time to do. Yes. Uh, well, well. Tell us about that. Tell us about the whole thing. But tell tell us what we can expect already from it, and 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 what exactly you've got cooking. Maybe start though, just in case we have people that don't know what you've done in the past. Maybe give them a a brief overview of what you've already put out on the guild. Sure. Um, I, I guess the the first time I published something on the guild was probably 2018, and it was it was really just a tiny set of side. Uh, side trek encounters uh three connected little adventures to get my feet wet on the whole publishing bit um shortly after that uh i was uh, ecstatic to to get an email from um jeff stevens uh, inviting me to contribute to one of his uh one of his compilation adventures and for the life of me um i can't think of which which one it was uh, was it the undead one? No. No. Uh, okay. It was a collection of NPCs. Because um, I, I remember I did a, a minotaur. Uh, he, he sent out a bunch of images to, to all the contributors. Mm-hmm. And you had to create mm-hmm. an uh, NPC for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, after that, I, I asked Jeff, Hey, do you want to write an adventure with me? And me, Jeff, and Carl Resch ended up... Uh, starting a uh, tier one, like a, bi- a big adventure to go from level one to five. And as we're writing it, we're trying to figure out where the heck do we place it. And I wanted to put it in the in the Forgotten Realm since most of Watsi's stuff uh, was there at the time. Uh, there's a little bit of Eberron. I, don't, I can't remember if it was, uh, there's a big release on Eberron at that point or not. Um, hmm. So when, when, I, when I started scrolling through the, the different realms uh, items I came across the Great Dale and I thought oh this is perfect it fits exactly with uh, the type of story that we want to uh, describe in our adventure so let, let's plunk it there uh, and then of course I go and try to find extra detail related to uh, the Great Dale in published books and I couldn't find anything like <laughs> not, nothing's been published uh, about it since uh, well, the, there's a big chunk in third edition. In fourth edition, there's two pages uh, in their campaign guide, um, and and nothing uh, for fifth. Uh, so I think I was uh, it was R. P. Davis. I think I was uh, contacting on on one of the chat forums, and he goes, "Oh yeah, I was thinking about doing something in 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 that region of the space, but I'm too busy. Um, why don't you you run with it? Put something together." So I. I go okay. I'll, how hard could it be? I'll, I'll start writing a, a, a few things, and oh, maybe I'll reach out to a couple folks see if they're interested. And and so going from looking for lore on this tiny section of of the Forgotten Realms that nobody touches, uh, in a matter of three weeks, it exploded into uh, like this gigantic production where I had ten writers uh, contributing content for me, and and. Uh, Frankly, it was uh, more than I should have <laughs> uh, <laughs> undertaken. But but the the nice thing is I, I got sucked into um, the DMs Guild print thing at the time, uh, which was fantastic. Uh, and I, I I learned so much. I I created a, a 
hardcover printed book, the, the Great Dale Campaign Guide. And it's uh, been one of my better sellers since. Yeah, what was your great. question? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, well, you're doing a great job of answering it. It's uh, first off, like, what, like what, uh, what, what have you got going on or what have you done before? And then uh, how does that tie into or does it tie into what you've got coming up? Right. Um, so uh, after the Great Dale, uh, I did another um, sort of group project uh, called Dunwood. Um, is more adventures rather than uh, a campaign guide. Uh, but I, I, I love doing the campaign guide. I like the lore. I mm -hmm. love uh, building the story and, and finding stuff out, putting things in front that a DM can use for their own adventures. I, I enjoy doing that. Uh, and so I, I picked another spot in, in the realms nearby. I, I picked uh, Rashomon. So I've, I've got a, Ooh, yeah. a big campaign guide uh, being pulled together on Rashomon. And I got uh, 10 different writers involved uh, pulling it together. And it, the, the content's really inspired by the, um, the third edition books. Uh, there is uh, The Unapproachable East is, is uh, one of my favorite uh, productions back then. Hmm. And, and it's kind of... I use that as an inspiration for the, the type of content that I'm I'm sticking into to this one. What is Rashomon for the uninformed? Like, what could they expect from that setting? Uh, I, I guess the most famous things from that area would be uh, Minsk and Boo from uh, uh, mm. comics and uh, the video games. Uh, so Rashomon is uh, not on the Sword Coast. Uh, I'm probably pronouncing Rashomon uh, wrong. Um, I, I realized in the last five years, uh, all these la lands that I've, I've read about have just been in my head. I've never actually spoken <laughs> actual <laughs> words with them, so apologies if I screwed up the names. Um, but, but uh, yeah, it's a, a land in the eastern side of Faerun, um, so a long way from the Sword Coast, and it's famous for... Uh, barbarians and berserkers and the witches okay. of Rashomon. So the uh, nation is ruled by an iron lord, a, a big uh, burly uh, barbarian, but the real power is behind the throne are the witches who, who are uh, spellcasters that are very in tune with uh, the land and nature um, and uh, are, are the the smarts of, of the uh, the nation pretty well, and they've they've constantly battled against Thay because Thay is right next door, the Red Wizards of Thay. So they're mm. they're kind of their arch enemies. Um, Thay has uh, tried to tackle or, or uh, invade the the land uh, numerous times, and thus far, Rashman's always been able to push them back, largely because of the the, the witches there. Hmm. Hmm. I can dig that. I like. I like the. I like the flavor of that. Now, isn't uh, Rashomon is kind of like the, you know, the Russia, the Eastern Bloc kind of feel to it? Correct. Uh, yeah. There is. There is a lot of it, and it, it's actually interesting. Um, uh, one of the uh, the the big uh, contributors to that, uh, George Krashos, when when he was seeing, I was I was doing the the setting goes. Don't make it overly European or Eastern European, because there's this tendency to to dump a lot of real world yes. um, lore and ties into it. Um, and so there, there's absolutely um, uh, 
uh, a lot of ties. I think uh, Elaine Cunningham was one of the authors that wrote uh, a bunch of stories in that setting. And I think, uh, I'm not sure if her background is um, East European, sort of uh, Slavic and Polish, I'm not sure, or if she just has a lot of experience in that, but she used that in, in some of the tellings and, and lore development. Um, but uh, I, I'm hoping there's a, there's so much uh, good, and, and this is a good uh, segue to later conversation on canon, already developed for, for the, the region, uh, that it, it's, it's uh, a people and a nation that, that, are, that can stand alone. You, you, there's not a direct tie to a real world right. place. So you mentioned something which I think uh, piqued my interest. Uh, um, you said that you chatted at least briefly with one of the original creators um, of this of this setting. Now, we all kind of understand that the DMs Guild is this ephemeral place, and like we just mentioned, like canon there is a is a is a distant memory. Um, but do you find with these setting guides that you're putting out and things that once you cut one once kind of word gets around that you get the attention of some of those creators or do you kind of have to go seek that out what's been your experience there um i was incredibly lucky um that uh, a few have reached out to me uh good old ed greenwood himself kind of uh contacted me when he found out i was i was working on this area uh, because he's uh, in working on a project on a nearby region that I don't know if they've announced yet or not. Uh, so I don't think I'll, I'll sp mm. spill the beans on it, but he just wanted to make sure I wasn't going to be stepping on uh, any, mm. uh, any lower toes. And, 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 and actually he, he ended up joining my, my effort and has contributed a, a few pieces to the, to the book as well. Awesome. Uh, I, I was shocked. Like, you know, I, I'm a guy that, just played D D in his basement with his buddies at university and um here, here a guy that i bought books uh, by has reached out and contacted me and he he's an incredibly nice guy um, he's a very nice guy yeah i i, yeah. I couldn't believe how generous he's been uh in in helping and contributing yeah, every interaction uh, i've ever had with 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 ed has been so he's so pleasant and so like what you see is what you got yep it's not not a not a not like a, not an ounce of guile. Um, Shortly after, uh, he said, "Oh yeah, I'd, I'd love to help out. Tell me what I can do for you." Was was his? Wow. And and I'm going. I don't want to. <laughs> he's a busy guy. I don't want to kind of lean into him. So I uh, I suggested a couple things. Oh yeah, sure, no problem. And a week later, I, I get the stuff dumped into my email. And like, wow. Crazy. I should have asked for a heck of a lot more. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm utterly shocked. Um, super nice guy. Uh, and just his ability to, to create is, is awesome. Hmm. That's very cool. Godfather of the realms. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's what amazes me is, um, because it's his baby, right? He he started it when he was a, a kid, for yeah. his stories and uh, by luck and uh, inspiration, uh, TSR ended up picking up his stuff and, and accepting that as theirs. And 
he's very willing to let other people run with his baby and, and create and add mm. to it. Uh, he, he wants people to make it their world, and, and the only way you do it is if you, know, you, you actually add your own bits to it. I wouldn't say that it's unique, but it's very uncommon for creators to be like that, to like to not feel very protective of their their creations. I mean, I've even seen it in, in other like old school creators and authors where they tolerate the quote unquote the encroachment of other creators kind of dipping into their world and into the, into their lore. And sometimes they're vocal about um, their disagreements with directions that things go in, but Ed's been consistently positive and supportive of it. It's uh, it's interesting to see. Yeah, it's hard as as a creator. You you spend so much time thinking about whatever it is that you're doing, um, and and it's it's a bit of you in in the production that that you release to the world, mm -hmm. and to get to a point where you're you're comfortable to let other people rip apart. That, that bit of you, um, I think that, that takes a bit. Uh, not everybody can do that. Yeah, we actually had a comment just now that I'm, I, I, have to, I have to pick up the, the mantle for, uh, for Tolkien. Tolkien mentioned the uh, Dragonlance and how that was affected, right? Where you've got a lot of cooks, kind of going back to that analogy of cooks in the kitchen, right? There are a lot of people, dozens on dozens of people that are introducing lore, like almost willy-nilly and haphazardly. Uh, into the uh, injecting it into the lore. I know that there has there's been some consternation. Is Toolkin just a shadow account for you? It is me. It's actually me. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. How do I get more Dragonlance in this episode? All right. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, like that's. But it's a totally valid point, right? Whereas Ed's been pretty open and cool about people dipping their toes in and kind of changing things around. Tracy Hickman strikes me as the type at least he's not like a i haven't seen him be a jerk about or anything like that i could i've seen every once in a while where he's like diplomatically tight-lipped about some of the, the decisions and directions where things went in uh, in his little in his in his playground so i get it mm. though I, 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 well, I totally get it because it turns into a discombobulated mess, which is kind of what Dragonlance ended up becoming over time it was just yeah, there's no, no cohesion I, at all I, I wonder if it's it's partly based on the the reason for that 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 land or lore to be there because Dragonlance it was the story right it was the mm -hmm. whole the, the companion story whereas um, the realms were a plaything to put stories in mm -hmm. it was the oh, yeah. um, a sandbox to to for Ed to for have his his group of uh, gaming group to, to play and work through and and I think that's a very different mindset so the the, the creator of Dragonlance has has a vision for what what that land and world means rather than than it being just a, a straight out open sandbox mm -hmm. yeah I can see that for sure they, they, yeah. there are vast differences between kind of the re, like the origin of both right the origin for Ed was you know, just a play where he, a place where he could play, as opposed to this saga that's being that's being unfolded in front of you, and it's kind of hard to, whenever you got this main thrust of a campaign inside of a, a trilogy of books, or and then another trilogy of books, like where do the adventures happen that don't, you can't change 
you know, the events, or you, I mean, you could, right? But the stuff, the adventures that you're putting out have to be threaded inside of that main, that main storyline. How do you do that without altering things and being, um, you know, being respectful? You know, we're talking about like, like uh, Look at like the Star Wars stuff, right? One of the one of the better of the newer movies that came out was Rogue One, which did a, did a pretty pretty good job, at least in my opinion, of saying, look, like it's all part of this main story, but here's a, an element that we can add to it where it's not going to detract from anything else, but it can be its own thing, and it's and it's kind of, and we're going to tie it to everything else that's going on uh, later on in the in the timeline. Yeah, that's that's right. not an easy thing to do. Sure. And we, well, I don't think there was a lot of oversight. It didn't seem like, at least, like there was a lot of oversight back in the day on a lot of that. It was just like, oh, you want licensing rights to to print the, to <laughs> to write something? Cool. Here's your little nugget that will let you have access to Go Hog Wild and you and whatever it is, whatever it is. And they would call them quote unquote Kinder Tales, you know. Yeah. So, but what that does is a there's, again lack of cohesion. I don't know what is what's canon and what's not canon. Which I think also, like, I know we'll segue into that. Uh, well, I shortly. think we're already there. Yeah, really. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, I think maybe we'll just tie off some more talk of, of uh, Joe's uh, works at the end here. Um, but we're, because we're kind of in the middle of the canon discussion right now. Mm-hmm. And I think what you brought up um, as, as uh, uh, Dragonlance being story first, setting kind of evolved from that, and Forgotten mm-hmm. Realms being the playground is the primary thing to put stories in is part of the reason that they kind of thrown out the idea. I think at this point of really Canon in general, right? Like uh, why have Canon when it's the whole thing is meant to be a sandbox. Um, you know, Jeremy uh, Crawford's recent post basically said the only thing that's Canon right now are the hardcover adventure books. Well, even that's a little bit of a half, answer because an adventure book has many many paths through it uh, your playthrough of dragon heist as a perfect example is going to have a drastically different end result well, to somebody else's to some I, extent i don't i don't think shall shall we refill our drinks and come back for this or are we just going to barrel on through uh, it, it's completely up to you, Master Troy. If you're ready for a drink refill, quote unquote, I'm, I'm <laughs> air, quote. air quotes here. Yeah. <laughs> yes, let's let's do that just in case, and we'll be right back. And now we're back. Uh, we've got our drinks refilled. We're still here with Joe. And Zach had just brought up a point about the hardcover adventures being the only canon right now. I don't think what they're saying is the the story of the adventure is what's canon. I think it's like the situation, the characters that are the NPCs that are in yeah. those adventures are canon. Outside of that, yeah, you can't canonize the actual adventure like, unless it's like they're saying if everything goes as written and the heroes succeed that's the canon yeah i mean there there's elements to it that certainly would be right so like it, if we take ram of the frost maiden 
is the Frost Maiden canon now, and is her is her reappearance in the North is is the North being subjected to the Eternal Rhyme? Is it canon? I think so. I think that's what they were getting at. But there are going to be details within that book where parties can pick up threads or abandon threads. NPCs can survive or not survive. It still works within the story. The adventure allows for deviations and and or you know diverging paths that then reconnect at a later point but you it's a loose version of canon to say that you know 6,000 different tables can play this adventure and pick different paths and all of them can be canon um I, well you're gonna do that in, that's any table though right my 100%. my friday night dragonlance game it went off the rails in regards to canon intentionally by me as the dm on friday night yeah. Where I made the co- mm. I made the conscious choice to say, all right, in the timeline we're here, and so, nothing that they even did um, affects this. The play- anything the players did affects this. This is just the way that I'm going to take the story, right? So your canon is your canon, but at the same time, there's I feel like it's important to have a main line of continuity in the story that you're telling. If there is an overarching story, otherwise, if you can just say, well, here are some regional guides and. This is a city here, and here are some people that are here. But then there's no story that's t- that's tied to it all. Whereas it feels more cohesive and immersive to me as a DM to be able to deliver that. Now, granted, I'll I'll make my own changes here and there, but at least there's something a baseline for me to kind of work off of that's consistent as we move from one product to the next that I can count on. You know, the the, the main thrust being followed all the way through. And I'm not trying to be a traditionalist about it. I understand they're going to have to make updates and make changes to things like that. But uh, it, there's it's kind of the difference between the Marvel approach versus the DC approach. Because that's one of the things that Jeremy Crawford mentioned specifically is that they're taking the MCU approach to things. But even in the MCU, there is continuity in the storyline. And everything is connected together. It may not be connected to the the comics, and they may have their kind of their own thing. But there's they're and they're borrowing from the comics, obviously, right, to make those things work. But inside of their own uh, kind of inside of their own environment or their own little bubble, everything is still cohesive in that. Whereas with like DC, it's anybody shows up and makes a movie, it doesn't have to tie into another movie, and so well, it just turns into a friggin' yeah, dumpster you're, fire. You're going on the on the supposition that DC actually has an approach. Well, Warner Brothers. Let's be specific. Everybody has Warner an Brothers. approach, even if it's to not have an approach. That's picking a lane. <laughs> that's yeah. or, uh, just, or just running blindly through the forest until you hit a tree. Still an approach. Yep. Still an approach. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm curious why they would be even... I guess I'm, I'm kind of in the corner of... A, I'm curious why they would even have a discussion about canon at this point, other than to say we're not messing with it. And B, well, I think it was it was a passing comment that they then ended up having to go back expound and ju- on, yeah. expound on, and justify because people started getting yeah. pissed off. Well, yeah. or at least that they were questioning it. They were like, "What?" Yeah. Well, and John had just, to end up he just made a good it. comment, though. You know, canon to me involves an, an overarching storyline. Fifth edition doesn't have that, no. does it? I mean, I don't think there's, so. I, I mean, you know, I was reading a thing just this week about like trying to connect an overarching, like, secret plot through all of the Watsi hardcover adventures. 
and like pulling out like oh there's an obelisk here and it ties to this over here and it's building towards this here i don't think that they're that prepared i would Mm-mm. it'd be a great surprise if, if i if it turns out they were um but i don't think i think you're right Troy. i think it's just what is the what do they think it would sell well right now what's, yeah, so what's then, diff- a little bit different so then why even make a comment about why bring it up yeah yeah why why well, I, why, I, why do you even say that well, I, I know uh, in some of the, um, like a, in one of the Facebook um, discussion groups, uh, there is, I guess, complaints uh, on the way some of the the productions have come out that didn't uh, match the existing canon. Um, hmm. That I'm using the word canon. Uh, a previously published uh, <laughs> there you go books uh, from from prior editions. And, and so there, because I know there's a segment of the consumer base that wants to have good, solid answers. Like, mm-hmm. I'm looking for why uh, the wizard in this city um, did this thing or developed this spell. And I want that to be consistent when I look at the next uh, series of books that relate to it. And if it's not consistent, that that that's frustrating because mm-hmm. there, there's a certain type of player that, that wants that continu- continuity uh, across a, a whole pile of stuff. The problem is every single edition of the game has had massive disruptions to what the content is. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they, they jerry-rigged it a bit in terms of major events kind of uh, adjusting... Um, at least in the Forgotten Realms, different aspects mm-hmm. of it. But well, dry lands too. Yeah, but yeah. but if you if you look at um, just I'm more familiar with the realms. If you no, look at um, something that happened in in first edition, a first edition map of of that Great Dale area that I I did, and cities aren't in the same spots as they are in yeah. the fourth or fifth edition mm-hmm. maps. Um, that kind of disrupts things for certain folks because they want to be able to steal stuff from everywhere. You know, I, I want to pull this book off and this book off and mm-hmm. not have to worry about uh, how they connect. And the problem with that uh, thinking, I guess, is uh, for me anyways, looking to one of the recent surveys that Watsi, pres- or was it Watsi? Yeah, where they, they showed who their demographic is. Um, yeah. And I'm because I'm I'm starting to be an old grognar in terms of uh, editions and and things. Um, I'm a tiny segment now of of the the oh, people yeah. that are actually playing the game, mm-hmm. right? The uh, the the large quantity of folks have have been in the last uh, fifteen twenty years, and they they don't know any of that old stuff. They just want to play the game. Um, so how do you how do you present the content and, and material in a way that uh, they can inhale and work with, and not force them to oh I need to go find the first edition uh, supplement on on the Red Wizards to know what <laughs> what what they're doing. I, so I, I can appreciate why Watsi's put out that that statement, I, and I can also appreciate why that pisses certain folks off because they've got you know I, I've got all these books over here with with different things and. What do you mean they're not good? Uh, they don't align with what's out there now. Why? Well, when so you look at like when you look at a a setting, right? We can we can just step outside of just RPGs. A setting is any world that's been created by a creator, whether it's Arda, 
for Middle Earth. If it's the you know a galaxy far, far away for Star Wars or whatever, right? So there's that continuity is really important to the fan base. I think that if they start shifting things around a lot now, it's only going to be short term gains that they're going to get to for the benefit of the new players that come in because then the players are going to play, and if they stick around, they're going to be like. They're going to be like they're want they're they're going to ev- eventually most likely want to go back and understand it better. I didn't start. I was old enough to probably play AD and D, but didn't really start playing until second edition. But I love AD and D, and all of the stuff from AD and D I've gone back and looked at, researched, and used in plot points and stuff like that for moving forward. Now, not that's not everybody's me, and I don't expect everybody to play like me, run like me, right? But I think that there's still that curiosity of understanding the lore behind a thing. It is this this shared history that we have in the game that's really, really important. And not just the history of like how the game came to be, but all of all the tales and sure. how they interweave with one another is really important to people. And I think that the I think we'll lose something in that. And I, I don't want to be overly critical uh, because I I obviously don't understand all the nuts and bolts about what the folks in Watsi are having to do to make things run, right? Uh, but it seems it's it's lazy, right? They've got lore people. There are people there that they, they just do lore stuff, right? But to me, though, there's like, it doesn't take a ton of effort to make sure that you're tying your threads in here and there as best as you can. And the, the, the people that are going in and giving you a hard time about Rhyme of the Frost Maiden because this little thing is different or this little big thing is different... I don't think that any of those things were intentional. Uh, the things I think I worry the most about are like where they have these broad stroke changes just for the sake of change. That happens a lot in film where you have a, uh, a dynastic um, movie series or something like that and somebody wants to reboot it and then they wipe the slate clean or they change something and shift something and then you, it sours the audience because they, try, they, have, you, they want something to compare it to. And now they no longer have that. And I think we may end up seeing that eventually, uh, if not in the short term. There will be those of us that are, will complain about, you know, I miss, I miss my D&D when it was XYZ <laughs> or why, why are you taking away my canon kind of thing. But I think eventually the new players will probably see that too. It's like, why did they change that? And I, I don't know. There, it may not, they may not, there might not actually be any detrimental effect financially to Watsi as a result of it. So maybe that's a... That's a that's a risk they're willing to take for the short term. There's a game. there's a point on the scale of canon where anyone will be upset. I would argue, too, oh, right? Yeah. Like like the minutia of an adventure. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think largely people are going to be okay, cool. Then there's going to be a level of person who you know really is upset that the novels don't tie into the campaign. There's going to be a person that doesn't like that towns shift around on a map like joe was talking about but then like i'll certainly be in the camp that if if the next book comes out or sixth edition comes out and there's no frozen north or icewind dale i will be like wait a minute that's 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 surely canon like we can all agree that there's an icewind dale right um and that's official, but so there's there's going to be that level for everybody, and and I, maybe they're just saying that the, for them the level is really really low, and mm-hmm. it's really just about the personal experience at the table, and they're not worried about consistency or continuity. Sure. Well, I I argue that uh, you know for, they're they're trying to reduce the barrier of entry, 
Mm-hmm. It, because like what John was saying, there's so much history, especially the Forgotten Realms. There's so mm-hmm. much that a lot of people, like the, the people that were at the, the gathering you were at, oh, there's just too much to learn. There's too much to dive into. I could never find the time to, you know, go all in and, and figure stuff out and, and be as knowledgeable as you. Okay, so let's tear down those walls, those barriers to entry for this new generation coming in in twenty in in the in the twenty twenties. How how many years will it take for them to become us? Mm-hmm. And the next time a change comes about, all of those people are like, "Hey, wait a minute." There was no Icewind Dale in my 6th edition. Why is there an Icewind Dale in 8th edition? <laughs> this is a bunch of crap. Why are you changing stuff now? It's going to be it, it's, it's going to always be yeah, a never-ending rotation as as the young whippersnappers become the old neck-bearded grognards of their future. They are going to be the us. They are going to be the Speak for yourself, sir. <laughs> I'm no neck beard. I'm well trimmed. Thank you very much. Yeah, and but you're, you're, you're still a grognard. Especially when it comes to Dragonlance. It depends It depends on the day. Well, we will find out. We shall see whenever the trilogy comes out next year. So, <laughs> Well, it kind of feels like uh, this might be a good spot to hop back on to the, the Rasso train. Mm-hmm. Um, Can I, I had like a, that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and just just pay me a royalty. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me give you the ad- address yeah. to send those royalty yeah. checks to. Exactly. <laughs> so I I guess kind of going kind of we kind of got the context or the 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 perimeters of your product, this Rashomon um, book. But tell us, can you give us an idea for what sort of content? you like to put into a campaign guide what does that mean mm. for you what is it is it just lore or is there other things dancing in there too um yeah for for me i i like the kitchen sink um approach where you can find pretty well anything about it and and that's where uh, i was describing the, the the setting guide that i really enjoyed um that inspired it uh the un- third edition's unapproachable east had something for uh, the player, the DM, um, that they could use. Uh, so for, for the stuff that I've done, you've got... Uh, actually, I, I divided the, the book into three sections. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a, a, a player option section, uh, a lore section, and then a, a threats and... Um, I can't even remember what I called the section, but where the the monsters and the NPCs kind of are, are sitting, uh, and that because that's the way I I, I view uh, most of the material. It's uh, what's player facing. What what can uh, a player use to uh, customize or really get their their PCs aligned with the land that they're playing in. Uh, so mm-hmm. you know uh, subclasses, backgrounds. Um, anything that gives that flavor uh, of the region uh, then there's the dm the dms are the the, the ones that want to read all that canon the lore the the history um see all the relations of factions that are in there um what are some uh, magic items and interesting bits that i can throw out at, at my uh players 
And then the last is, hey, I need to throw an adventure together. Uh, I need some cool, cool monsters to, to dump into this section. What, what can I pull out of there? Uh, do I have some neat personalities that I can use for, for driving a story? Uh, and so that's, that's the way I think about it. And, and so I've tried to, to put a little bit of all of that in there. Awesome. awesome. So when, I like that when shall we expect this, this new masterwork to wait, wait. be released? Soon? Yes, soon. soon. Trademark? So- oh boy, <laughs> yes. that's my favorite time. <laughs> I knew I'm, it. I'm I'm uh, working on the last ten percent. Um, uh, I'm I'm. Now, are you working so on the like, last ten percent, and you're going to have to go back through and kind of like, like refactor anything, or do you feel like you're? Because that's I, a, that's something that's interesting to me. Is like your creative process, or like when you're putting everything together and bolting everything in. Is the ten percent editing, or is it actually content? Or I, I've ha- I have a, a a little bit of content that I have to throw together to to glue pieces uh, of the book um, together together using mm-hmm. together three times in a sentence. That's awesome. Um, the uh, the nice thing is I had uh, ten other writers contributing st- stuff to this book, but I I itemized everything that people were working on so i Mm. always knew all the bits that are coming in and as they came in i'd read it and go okay that that fits there's nothing that i have to adjust anywhere else Mm. uh it's i out of all the content that i got pulled in uh, there's one item that i have to make a change to because two people kind of wrote uh bits that crossed uh content so that just doesn't align Um, gotcha so really, right now it's it's uh, it's uh, going through the the editing process for the the ninety percent of the contents there. I have to kick out the uh, some words over the next couple of weeks to to finish the last little bits, and then it's it's uh, getting the layout polished. Um, like I've got the the forms, uh, the the structure defined. I've, I've basically paginated paginated. I like it. Um, It's in in the the, lexicon now. (laughs) It's there. The the whole book. Uh, It's paginated. Uh, Yeah, Joe is the paginator. The paginator. Be careful. I will show commas at you. Um, (laughs) The. so yeah, I, I'm I'm very hopeful that we'll get it out by the end of August. It'll probably squeaking right to the, to how many days in August? Is it thirty or thirty-one? Thirty. Right. But that, that's, I mean, that's that really there. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I really hope it doesn't slip into September, but if it does, actually, uh, I'm going to have to read through the, the Liza update that um, you referred in the DMs Guild uh, mm. uh, for, for the print-on-demand, because if print-on-demand opens, uh, then I will push it back to make sure that I can get this uh, in print, because uh, there'll be some, some layout tweaks that i'll have mm. to do to to get that working right. yeah oh man well i'm i'm definitely excited about seeing a, a rashman in mm-hmm. anything that you got because i i really enjoy uh the book that squeaked through that print on demand process so i would love to be able to add books to it i i'm sure i'm not the only one but i'm uh i'm certainly one of those people that uh, consider certain works on the DMs Guild to be my canon yep. for 5e, right? Mm. And so uh, when when you put out one of your campaign guides and things like that, um, I try, is Dunwood is the other one that I think I... Is that what it's called? 
yeah, yep. Dunwood. Dunwood. I yeah. think that was the other one that like um, I don't know a lot about those certain areas of the Forgotten Realms. So when I buy your books and I sit down and read them, like that becomes my that becomes my five E my Forgotten Realms lore and. So I'd love to have those sitting on the shelf there too. Thank you. Yeah, that would be really cool. Um, So, Joe, if people want to keep up to date with you and um, know when your stuff goes live, what's the easiest way for them to do that? Uh, Probably the Twitter is where I'm most active. Uh, The underscore Joe underscore Rosso um, is is how you can follow what I'm up to. Um, I'm infrequently on facebook uh i i should be there more but i don't know i i just have never got into that platform so much and and really the best place to keep up with joe is to show up on our twitch streams and (laughs) and talk to him in the chat right so so just do that i'm only there for the snark i uh we are chocked full of snark in these parts that's right Mm. well i i would say bare minimum you should pop on over to twitter e- even if you're like me and you don't do twitter you you steer hard away um joe has posted like a uh, the cover of the rashman book there as a preview and Ooh. it looks pretty awesome um so i would say that that at least is worth heading over there and taking a gander um the other place you can go is to the bite Size gaming discord mm-hmm. um because we will, if we can, if we can keep our promises, which I think we can, we'll be uh, letting people know when when Joe's product goes live right there on, right there on our little community chat, um, and we'll, we'll maybe even yell up yell out about it uh, when it comes to that time. Let me see. I'll go ahead and post that into our Discord or into our uh, Twitch chat, just so everybody has that link there as well. Um, yeah, so, uh, other than that, let's see, is there anything else that we should say here, Joe, before we wrap this up? Um, no, thanks for having me on. This has well, been awesome. I have, I have a question for Joe. Oh! Oh. I have a question oh, for Joe. Oh, you thought you were getting off yeah. easy? So, Wrong. I mean, because you know, Ed always sprinkled in some real-world connections. We already talked about that, the Eastern European stuff for, for Russia. So is it safe to assume that uh, John Wick would be Rishemi? It, it's quite possible. Uh, actually, it'd be Rashimar. Rashimar. They, they call themselves uh, the people outside. Rashman called them Rashmi. Yeah, get it correct. Troy. Well, see, I'm, Come on, outside, man. I'm outside. But see, that's it's it. canon. Yeah, I was being canonical. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm outside of Rashmi, so I call them Rashemi. Uh, <laughs> right? Uh, That's, this can be I this suppose. can turn into an entirely different nerd argument. But was John Wick even you're supposed to be Eastern European though? Uh well I, I, yeah. I don't think John Wick is in it, but his dog. His dog definitely was. Okay, fair enough. Okay, cool. Cool. Well, well yeah, his, his name was Jandani something or other. Was it? I yeah. know they referred to him as Baba Yaga, which is Eastern European, but right. I don't know. No, but a yeah. bunch of Eastern European dudes were saying that, so yeah, because he, yeah, he was. It was, he was, it was uh, actually Kaiser Sose. Um, Kaiser oh. Sose. It's always yeah. Kaiser Sose. It's always Kaiser Sose. Always. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
All right. Well, um, thanks for that, Troy. I appreciate appreciate. Hey, I, I, as soon as we <laughs> start talking about it, I was like, John, if, John, if we John, want please. to know why these episodes go along, <laughs> look no further than that interjection. <clears throat> no. I, I All right. Well, two minutes. This yeah. Time. <laughs> this time. Uh, well, hey. <laughs> So let's see. Head on over to our Discord if you want to continue this discussion. Joe's there. Troy's there. John's there. I'm there. And a host of our uh, good friends from chat and previous guests. And we'd love to chat with you about all things RPGs all throughout your work week. Um, if that's not enough for you, you can also head over to Facebook. Uh, Facebook is where you uh, can get notifications when we are getting ready to go live. We typically post you know, that afternoon or at least an hour beforehand if we're going to Uh, be live on Twitch. Um, So that's a great place to head over there. Uh, Troy, John, and I run games throughout the year at online conventions Mm -hmm. and in person. Uh, We'll be working a booth at uh, some upcoming conventions. We'll be just hanging out at some upcoming conventions. So all of those things are great opportunities for you to come by and hang out with us in person. And we post all of those details on the Bite Size Gaming Facebook page as well. Um, and I'll make sure that if we haven't yet, we'll drop a link to that in the show notes um, as we move along here. Yeah. Uh, thank you once more, Joe, for coming on to the show. Thank you, John. Thank you, Troy, for hanging out with me yet again. Uh, who do we need to thank here on chat as we're closing out, Troy? Uh, Toolkin. Uh, he has been talking up a storm, which yeah. is awesome. Engagement. Engagement. Yeah, we, uh, Engagement. We've got Gert. We've got We've got Craig. Kill a lot has come came Kill back from uh, yeah. yeah. In uh, a good crowd tonight. Bing Cortana. That's gotta awesome. be a bot. Bing Cortana, if you are not a bot, please post now. <laughs> and some guy named some guy named Joe Ereso or something Joe like, Ereso. Something like Joe that. Ereso? Nice, thank you, thank you. Butcher it, butcher it. Oh. Well, thank it. you guys. It's been uh, <laughs> it's been great hanging out this evening. And uh, if you want to tune in again, we'll be recording our next episode live this Sunday, this coming mm-hmm. Sunday, yeah. at roughly ten thirty Eastern. Um, come by and be surprised as we talk about something other than D and D. So until then, we'll see you next time. All That's right. Everybody. Have a great game, everybody. Yep, you guys stay safe. Thanks, Joe. So I hope I didn't uh, bring down the quality too much today. Oh, boy. No, No, not only that, but you're hired. And, uh, John, I'm sorry, but... (laughs) (laughs) I knew it was going to be me. It's fine. It's it's me. I thought it was you, Zach. Well, it it could have been, but I kind of... Yeah, I had a list, and I was like... If if John can make it through this episode, that should be all about Rashomon and the Forgotten Realms without talking about Dragon Lance. <laughs> he stays. And no, he had to find that way. And I'm like, no you know shame. What? This is no this shame. is what we can expect if we keep him in any longer. So. <laughs> <laughs>